You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. Most gracious and ever-living God, I pray at this time that ultimately, not my word, but your living word, Jesus, your son, would go forth and that we would find in him that life and that salvation which you share with us. And all this I ask, all this I offer in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you along with me to reflect primarily this morning on this portion of Luke's gospel read from a moment ago, and it's a portion of the scripture that I consider one of the high watermarks of the Bible. Uh, Jesus tells three stories that uh, that escalate uh, in their intensity. Three stories Jesus tells. We, we read two of them this morning, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and of course, uh, perhaps you remember, the, the third is the lost son, or what we often refer to as the prodigal son, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. We, we go from one lost out of 100 to one lost out of 10 to one lost out of two, uh, Jesus uh, intensifies. But as we begin this reflection this morning, I'd like to say um, a word of mercy for the scribes and the Pharisees uh, among us. We hear the scribes and Pharisees are doing what they are typically doing, and we hear that they are grumbling. Uh, they are grumbling. Uh, a wonderful automatopoeia uh, grumbling is. It, it describes um, in itself its meaning, and they are grumbling because um, Jesus, of course, is not acting the way um, that they think he should act. God is not acting the way that they think that God should act, and they are grumbling um, in response. And we see wonderfully, graciously, um, that Jesus is, despite their grumbling, despite their resistance, and their resistance, which will actually lead toward nothing short of their plotting to have him killed, but despite um, all of this, we see a graciousness and we see a patience which goes forth from Jesus in response to the scribes um, and the Pharisees. Rather than bringing down the hammer, um, Jesus shares three stories with them. As I was thinking about this, my, my mind traveled back to a long um, time ago. And one of the things when the kids were young, and particularly my son, one of the games that we would play, and perhaps you remember this as well, is um, with the hose. And, uh, you know, there, is, there are a few things that a child likes more than squirting their parent with a hose. Um, and I can remember back in the day, again, maybe he was around three at the time, and, and you know the deal, uh, chasing you around the yard, and you act like it's a big deal as they, as they, <laughs> as they squirt you with the hose. And we were doing that. It was a typical get day, all fun and games until you have to go inside. And uh, he was probably around three at the time, and uh, he had the hose, and he was squirting me. And then, of course, you know, being the wily parent that I was, um, I got the hose, of course, and I crimped um, the hose uh, so he couldn't squirt me. And um, this is going to reveal something about my heart that you don't want to know because, um, so, you know, he, he crimped uh, the hose and I thought my plan is working perfectly. Um, so as I crimped the hose, 
He's three, so you know what he did. Maybe he might have. Maybe he was. Maybe he was two. You'll you'll be even uh, less impressed with me uh, at this time. So uh, as I crimped the hose, he did what a person that age would do, and he looked at the hose. Um, and as he looked at the hose, I said, "Yes, uh, I have him exactly um, where I want him." And in that moment, and I know. Uh, you're going to think I'm lying. Uh, I relented. I didn't do it. Uh, it was one of those moments. Maybe I edited my memory. Maybe I did. Jack's not here um, to give uh, his account of that particular uh, that particular moment. But at least the way I remember it um, was rather than dropping the hammer on him, I, I relented. It was a moment uh, of mercy. And again, I, I guess a silly story. I, I know, but I. But I share that with you because, uh, again, we see that the God loves and God values lost things, which in some ways is to say that God loves and values you and me. God loves and God values um, lost things, lost sheep, lost coins, um, lost sons. And of course, we hear the grumbling of the legalists, of the scribes uh, and the Pharisees. And thank God that's not us. Um, thank God that we're not judgmental. Um, thank God that we don't have those people um, in our lives that we look down upon uh, and grumble about. Thank goodness there is no condescension in yours or my heart um, as we are gathered here this morning. And the scribes uh, and the Pharisees were... Uh, like us, uh, a mixed bag. At times, they were incredibly well-intended. Um, they wanted um, to do right. They wanted uh, to be righteous. They wanted um, to honor God in their lives. And so there was, uh, at, at times, some wonderful sincerity and intent. And of course, as we've noted numerous times, sincerity isn't inherently a good thing uh, because they were sincerely misguided and the way that they thought that they could bring about a righteousness in their lives, the way that they thought they could bring about um, a salvation, a way that they thought that they could bring about a peace and security um, in their lives. They were the responsible ones. They were following um, the letter of the law, even though they wrote it themselves. Uh, They were following it um, religiously. And they are grumbling because Jesus is receiving um, tax collectors and sinners. And part of what got to them, he wasn't just tolerating them. We hear that he was receiving them. Because again, he has a a love um, for lost things. He had a love for the tax collectors and sinners, just like he had a love um, for the Pharisees and the scribes as well. And so rather than hammering them in this moment, he tells the story uh, of rejoicing over things which were lost that are found. And again, we have the lost sheep and we have the lost coin in this, but it continues on, of course, with the story um, of the prodigal son, the lost son. And it's a story that you are familiar with. The younger son says to his father, uh, I'd rather have your stuff than you. Uh, I'm not going to wait for you to die. Go ahead and give me my share of the inheritance. Uh, and scandalously, um, the father does just that gives him his share of the inheritance. And of course, we hear that he leaves uh, and he runs through all of that and he finds himself bereft. bereft. He finds himself uh, at the absolute bottom of the barrel and he thinks to himself, my 
the workers at my father's home. At least they have three meals a day. I'm going to go back and I'm going to plead my case uh, to be one of my father's hired hands. And you know the story. The son um, returns. And as the son returns, the, the father is, is looking for the son. And before the son ever gets his story out, the father runs out and embraces him and says, my son that was lost um, is found. Uh, come and, and rejoice uh, with me. And you remember the response of the older brother, in many ways, the, the Pharisee and the scribe in the story. Uh, the Pharisee and the scribe in the story, <laughs> let me say in fairness to them, um, if any of you have siblings, do any of y'all keep score um, with your siblings? So if we're being honest about this before we say, you know, I would never be um, an older brother, we, <laughs> this is another parenting fail of the smallies. Um, we had this idea, we, were, we wanted to be responsible parents, you know, Paul and I continue to look at one of the others and say, would you be the adult? Uh, would someone be the adult already? We decided we were going to come up with a chore chart because um, we, were, we heard that's what responsible parents do. And so we were going to, we were going to try to be those kind of parents. We came up with the chore chart. It, it lasted maybe two days. Um, it lasted maybe two days because let me tell you, the only thing it did, no one did any chores uh, but everyone kept track of the chores that the others weren't doing. Uh, it just turned everyone into judges and bookkeepers. And we just, the, the whole thing was, the whole thing was a wash. But again, the, the story escalates because again, Jesus has a heart and a love for lost things, not just the Pharisee and the tax collector, uh, the Pharisee and the scribe, but also the tax collector and the sinner. And as again, as the story uh, escalates, we get to the story of the older son, um, who does not want to rejoice at the one who had lost being found, who does not want to rejoice in the mercy um, of the father. And rather uh, than leave the older son out, we hear that the father scandalously goes out and appeals um, to the older son that he might also join the celebration as well, that he might not be cut off. Share one final um, story with you. Years ago, at the beginning of my ordained ministry, uh, Bishop Salmon placed me at the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul um, in Charleston. I, I was, <laughs> I, had the, I had the glorified title, I was the curate uh, at the cathedral, and uh, my, being the curate, my office was the last office down the line um, at the end of the hall. Uh, and they, we shared offices with the diocese. And again, mine was as far away uh, from the um, entryway, as far away from everything uh, and still in the building. And I was down, it was late in the afternoon, uh, late in the afternoon. And, and I guess I was the only one left. Maybe, uh, maybe someone else was left, but I don't think. I think I was, I was it. And I heard someone come in and they were um, knocking around in the lobby. And I, uh, again, um, all the way down the hall, I, I went and I looked out uh, and I looked down, uh, and I saw one of the people that I knew. His name was Johnny, and Johnny would have been part of the uh, homeless, the unhoused community there in Charleston. I had uh, spoken with him, knew him uh, well over the years, and uh, I can assure you he knew his scripture. Uh, he would talk about how he would pray to the Father in the name of the Son and in the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, and he said he was a veteran. I don't know, maybe, maybe not. He wore a lot of camouflage, um, that much I can say. And anyway, it was late in the afternoon and I, and I looked out uh, and, and I saw him. And of course, being a Christian, I sort of slowly walked back um, into my office um, and I just thought, 
look, you can have whatever you want. Just, I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to see my family again because uh, I'm such a Christian. Um, That's what I did is I just slipped back into my office. And then uh, God in his gracious mercy didn't leave me there. Um, It didn't take too much hand-wringing for God to sort of nudge me back out into the hallway. And I reluctantly, uh, as a Christian, I walked down the hall and said, hello, Johnny, how are you? What's, what's going on? You know, is there, uh, how are you today? Is there something that you need? And this time was different. He was uh, visibly shaken and he um, told me he was concerned about his leg and he, and he pulled up his uh, pant leg and it was, uh, his leg looked painful. It was red um, and swollen and the skin was taut. It was clearly painful. It was clearly concerning. And as he's um, telling me and expressing his concern and he's telling me about what's going on, he he shared um, that his father had died of a blood clot. His father had gotten a blood clot in his leg uh, and that blood clot, and I can't remember, had gone to his heart, had gone um, to his lungs and his father had died. And of course, his fear was that he was going to die. That was the fear Uh, which he had. And I, again, remember that moment because um, I was a a scribe and a Pharisee in that moment. I I didn't want to uh, bother, and yet God uh, wonderfully did not leave me and uh, pushed me out um, into that encounter with him. But one of the things I remember is uh, I'm there with him is is the reality. Things are different when we're uh, pressed with the reality that we're all going to die. Uh, and that we are all um, finite, uh, that there is, uh, at least momentarily, um, sooner or later, that death is something that we have to face. And he thought perhaps that his time might be sooner uh, rather than later. And I know this is going to sound horribly cliched as, as I say this, but by the work of the Holy Spirit, it was a, it was a moment of common humanity. Uh, I was uh, a young man that was looking forward to getting home uh, to his family. He was uh, an older man that had this pressing concern, and yet it was a moment of our common humanity in that moment, and he wanted to go to the hospital, and so I, uh, I gave him a ride, and uh, we went over to Marion Square, which was just around the corner, and he got his belongings out of a trash bag that he had left in one of the bushes, uh, and I took him there um, to... Uh, I took him there to uh, the hospital um, where he could be where he could be cared for, and I, uh, again, I, I share all of that with you. Was it was one of those uh, merciful moments, uh, the realization that of our common humanity, the realization of our lostness, the realization of the nature of God in Jesus Christ, who comes and seeks us as a shepherd. And that all of us in some shape and fashion, we're the lost sheep and we're the lost coin and we're um, the lost son uh, and we're the older son. And all of those uh, various dispositions are working in the midst of all of our hearts and all of our lives. But wonderfully, graciously into that, God comes to us and we are given the opportunity of the recognition of our need. And the recognition of our need Uh, The recognition that we are lost is the beginning place of life because in the recognition that we are lost, we find that we're found. The nature and the character of God who loves and values lost things 
and who comes and seeks them. And when he seeks them and when he finds them, he doesn't drop the hammer on them. He rejoices that that which is lost is found. He gathers us up. He picks us up. He carries us um, to himself. And my final question to us uh, is this, is not only the realization that this speaks to each and every one of us and also that wonderful, gracious character of God. And I, uh, I say this also not by way of a law for something uh, that you should do, but, but an invitation is what might it look like in the realization that God not only loves those lost things, but what would it look like for us to see one another in this way? To see one another um, as that thing which God has come to gather unto himself, uh, that one that God has come um, to save. What might the freedom of that look like in our lives, the joy of that, the mercy of that, as we are recipients uh, of God's grace, uh, and not simply recipients, um, but those um, who join in the celebration of God working and bringing that about uh, in the lives of others. And as we hear this this day, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank you for your amazing graciousness and patience uh, to scribes and Pharisees and tax collectors and sinners and that you come to seek that which is lost. You come to seek us. Draw us, most gracious God, in our uh, sort of similar and varied lostness to yourself that we might know the joy and the peace and the security of being found, the joy and the peace and security of being yours. All this we ask and ourselves we offer to you in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.